we thank you for this day, for your grace and for your mercy, for the outpouring of your spirit upon your people. We thank you, Lord, for the love of God that's shed abroad in our heart, God. We thank you for faith to believe. We thank you for the, the ability to act upon what we believe. We thank you for it. We thank you that the Holy Spirit has given us an unction to function so we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We thank you, God, for the unity between the brothers and the sisters and the union between us and Christ. And God, we give you praise for it. We ask now that you would come in our midst today. Show yourself mighty. Do what pleases you. And we surrender everything to your care. And we give you praise for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm excited about what God is doing. And I hope that you are too because this is our season. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, go with me to the book of Colossians chapter one. Uh, we are going to try to finish this today. Amen. But we may not. So I'm trying to, trying to learn how to be honest. You know how preachers do. Now, you know, sometimes we say things that, that are just common to what, what we do. And it turns out that what we're saying is actually a lie. So I, I'm, I'm going to quit lying. So I'm going to take as much time as it needs to get it done. <laughs> and it, it may take a week, a month, but we're going to get it done. Hallelujah. <laughs> That revelation came to me yesterday when I was standing at this funeral and uh, I told him I was finished and I had this thought and I said, well, I just lied because I ain't finished. <laughs> Galatians chapter one, uh, verses 18 through 20 is what we looked at last week and uh, we want to look at them one more time. The Bible says, and he's the head of the body, the church the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth, things in heaven, having been, uh, made peace through the, blood, uh, through the blood of his cross. Amen. And we told you last week we were talking about reconnecting to the head. So this is just part two. It's reconnecting to the head. You can be seated. Now let me tell you, and I don't have time to really go through last week because uh, if I had, had had time to do all of that last week, then we wouldn't have to be going this week. But I didn't have time, so I can't review. But what I want you to understand is that when it comes to reconnecting to the head, what Paul is teaching us is that Sometimes, especially among saints, 
we have a tendency to disconnect, disconnect. And I think our disconnection is about, mm, I'd say probably about 50-50, about half spiritual and half mental. Nah, 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 nah. Probably most of what we do is about 80% mental and 20% spiritual. In other words, we are trying, listen, people are trying to find reasons not to do what God's called them to do. Even when they're saved. Amen. That's why you have to grow up into the head. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But what Paul says here in Romans chapter 8 and verse 7 is that we are at war with uh, uh, the devil. Every sinner, every sinner uh, uh, who does not acknowledge God, the Bible says, uh, look at Romans 8 and 7 for just a moment. <coughs> And, and we'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Get my little throat clear here. Isn't it strange weather is warm in October and I'm expecting to put on a sweater at some time and, and every time you go out, you break out in a sweat. It says because the carnal mind is enmity against God for uh, it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. Now, the law of God, not necessarily the Old Testament law, but the law of God, the word of God, the carnal mind can never be subject. And the carnal mind wants rules that allows it freedom. That sounds like an oxymoron. Let me say it again. It wants rules that allows it freedom. In other words, uh, I want to be able to be saved and do what I want to do. Yeah. I want to see how that's going to work out for you. So the Bible says that because we are at war, uh, we have to understand that Christ came so that we could be reestablished to one another. So the, the, per the purpose of him coming is to reconcile, reconcile. Uh, I told, told you last week is balancing the books. Uh, we use the checkbook and, and uh, I realized that was probably a mistake because we don't know how to balance our checkbooks. Okay, I ain't getting no laughs that time. Said, no, Pastor, you're messing with us now. Well, you know. Well, you know. Anyway, Ephesians chapter 2, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2 says this. Uh, beginning at verse 14, the Bible says, He himself has, is our peace, who has uh, made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. That wall of separation was sin. Sin is what separates us. When sin is done away, then you can walk right into the presence of God. So when we have sin in our life, that sin separates us from being in the presence of God. Amen. It says, having a verse 14, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace. Now, that means that <clears throat> when Christ came into our life, we became one with him and him one with us, and now we represent Christ. The Bible says that Christ is the icon of God. That means that he is the image of God. If I want, uh, in, in computer terms, if I want to click on something to find out what's in there, if I click 
on Christ, I will see God. All right. So you're still with me. Then the Bible goes on one step further and says in Revelation 21 and uh, one, it says that God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth because we know that this one is passing away. Even though we're seated and standing here on planet Earth, we know that planet Earth is not going to be here forever. And we see evidence of that. And I don't have time to talk about, you know, the ecology right now. But you do know what I'm talking about. So the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ has eliminated sin in principle. And that means that sin has been conquered and the law has been satisfied. Once the law is satisfied, I'm no longer bound. I'm free. And the Bible says that uh, the curse that was born is gone, which means that I can do things now that I couldn't do. And uh, I can, you know, some of the things that that have held my body captive, sickness and disease is no longer a problem. And then the Bible says harmony is restored. That's harmony restored with God, but it's also harmony that's restored with each other. Saints have a big problem getting along. I don't know why that is. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I. (laughs) But Christ's death provided a way for all people to come to God. Now, it doesn't mean everybody's going to be saved. And that's what everybody needs to understand. It means that the way has been made. But you still have to make the choice. So what Paul is telling us is that in order for us to. to to take advantage of what Christ has already done, the work on the cross, that we have to grow up. Mm. Now, I don't know how many times we have taught on maturity, but it's not enough. It's not enough. People are still struggling with growing up. Mm. What does that mean? That means that we still gravitate toward childish things. We want to placate the flesh. I want to feel good. I want to feel good about you. I want to feel good about what I have. And most of that is the result of immaturity. Huh? you deal with children, you know that they feel good about the thing you put in their hands right then. And they'll feel just as good about the next thing. That's why Paul says this in Ephesians chapter four. Uh, I want you to go there uh, because we're going to look at this for just a moment. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter four, verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine by trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. How many of us know that for years we always followed men or women? We always saved people. We had our favorite preacher. We turned them on every day at such and such a time and we got a word from him, blah, 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 blah. And I am not bashing preachers. So let me finish what I'm about to say before you Judgment. Years ago, uh, shortly after I got saved, I used to watch Christian TV, too. And I always thought that 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 preacher would have a word for me. And then I realized 
that his show was years old and half the stuff he was talking about was not relevant. Are y'all? Uh-uh, nah, uh-uh. So I realized that this is not ministering to me. This is ministering to his bottom line. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to go there. But what I'm saying to you is that I learned that if I wanted to grow up, listen to me, it takes work on my part. I have to do something. A person I do not know, have never met, don't have any interaction with, cannot feed me. Would you take food from a stranger? I hope not. I certainly hope not. And that's pretty much how things were going. But that's why the Bible says here you toss to and fro with every wind of doctrine. But the point I want to make is in verse 15. Here's what it says in verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ. He says if you speak the truth in love, then you begin to grow up and you have to grow up into the head. Now, can I just tell you a couple things about that? The first thing I want to tell you is that you have to be careful when, when, when the Bible says something about speaking the truth. And I hate to quote from an old movie, but most of us can't handle the truth. Now, here's the problem with us. We think that truth is the reality of life. If something is a fact, we call it the truth. Try that one more time. If something is a fact, we call it the truth. The only truth is the gospel. Huh? And the gospel, listen, is not always fact because it requires faith. Listen now, Jesus would have never said that you could speak to a mountain if the mountain is a fact and it's planted where it needs to be. He wouldn't say that you could move it by using faith because faith alters facts. Y'all still with me? So it may be a fact that I have all the symptoms of being sick. The doctor may confirm that fact. But my faith says, I feel. So my faith actually alters the fact. But here's the problem. The Bible says speaking the truth in love. Now, Truth is always joined with love, but, but because, and I gave you, uh, I think it's in your notes, truth without love is brutal, brutality. In other words, immature people can't use truth because they don't know how to put love with the truth. When I say, now, now you may not say, well, well, Pastor, I know how to do that. But when I say immature people, when I talk about children, the Bible says children are brutally honest. 
they will hurt your feelings and run off and play. Amen. Because they're only speaking truth they see. But they have not had the experience of blending that truth with love, the love of God. So what they're saying is right. You know, you might they may look at you and say, you need to fix your hair. <laughs> huh? Pick up a child in your breakfast bag, see what they say. Mm. Sometimes that'd be nice. What you been eating? <laughs> but the result, the result is the same, and you feel exactly the same way. So the Bible, oh, come on now. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. <laughs> so mature love is always sent to do two things. Is to resolve and to reconcile. See, when I speak the truth in love as a mature saint, I'm going to reconcile something that's separated, uh, broken, or I'm going to resolve an issue that needs fixing. Are you understanding that? If I'm speaking a truth in love that doesn't do either of those things, then I need to be quiet. Too many of us think we need to, to keep people straight. That's not your job. Oh, messing with you now. But the Bible says this. Look, Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Huh? I don't want you to tell me everything's all right if it's not. Hmm? If there's something I need to fix, I need to know it. If I'm going the wrong direction, I, I expect somebody to correct me. Oh, come on now. I'm talking about the church now. If there's something that's out of order, I need to know what the correct order is. I cannot do that if I will not Speak the truth in love. I would only give you a truth that will advance your walk. Are y'all still with me? So maturity, the Bible says then, uh, that uh, is, it, it's a mark of uh, maturity when we're able to share truth with fellow Christians in love. So when I say something to you, know where it's coming from. But I have to back up and tell you, you won't know where I'm coming from if you don't know who I am. Now, uh, you know, I have this problem where people think they know me until I insult them. Unbeknowing to me. That happens to me quite often. Now, I, I was sharing this with some pastors the other day, just the other day. I insulted a pastor. I didn't know I insulted him. I was being me. And I made a clever remark. I'm not going to repeat it. 
And a week later, that pastor called me up and said, what you said to me hurt my feelings. And I went, what did I say? <laughs> of course, they told me what I said, and I thought, you know, I'm so very sorry. Now, see, I was making a joke about a person's physical condition. And you know, it's like, you know me, right? See, if you fall, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, are you hurt? Now, if you ain't hurt, I'm subject to talk about you. <laughs> that person didn't know me that way. I thought they did, but I didn't, they, they did not. And because they did, they were hurt. And I had to quickly apologize. Then I had to explain who I am. You know, because I want them to know I'm probably going to do that again. <laughs> so that's why I say to you all. Do you not know me? So if I know if I hurt your feelings, something's wrong. <laughs> so it was good to get that out there just in case. <laughs> so maturity leads to cooperation. Verse 16 says that. It says, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together for what every joint supplies, according to the effective working of every part does its share, by which each part does its share, which causes growth of the body. Now, this is what the body does not grow unless all the parts are working. And what we seem to not understand is that if I have a pain in my little finger. It does not just affect my little finger. It affects my entire body because my body will give attention to the place where it's hurting. That's why I tell you, don't be saying you're OK if you're not OK, because you say, well, it's all right. Or, I wasn't bothered by that. Then, then now that thing is, is, is throbbing throughout the body. And until we fix it, there's going to be a problem. Amen. 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 Now, you know, they have what's called today uh, nerve blockers. No, 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 no. See, you're going on, wrong, wrong. I ain't talking about folk that get on your nerve. I'm, ta I'm talking about in, 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 in people who deal with chronic pain, doctors will sometimes prescribe what's known as a nerve blocker, which means that that medicine shuts off the pain sensation to the brain. So it sends a message to your brain that that finger don't hurt anymore, right? And see what happens is that sometimes, this is what happens in church, when a member, and I'm gonna talk about the body in just a moment, when a member is hurting, but they will not admit that they're hurting, they won't get to the place where they can get help for what's hurting, then that person will shut themselves off, which means that they have, here it is, disconnected from the head. So that thing that they're going through keeps them from getting the ministry that comes 
from people who can, can speak into their lives. The Bible says if there is sick among you. Yeah, but we do it the other way around. We always have to call you. Uh, uh, is there any sick? That's it's the other way around. You need to say, Pastor, I'm sick. I need some prayer. But here's that other part of you, your, the, the, you know, the, the natural, the mind part. You know how brilliant you all are. Oh, there it is. I did it I'll, just that quick. <laughs> but the mind part of you says, I don't tell them people my business. Mm -hmm. I'd rather die. Let them know what I'm going through. And you probably will. Amen. But you all, uh, am I telling the truth? Okay. But okay, and it's in love. <laughs> now I want you to look at this. The Bible says that the body grows as the individual members grow. As they grow, uh, they feed on the word. Now, the way that you grow up spiritually is you've got to have the word in you. If, if you're not eating this word, you're not going to grow up healthy. Amen. And there are too many people who, who are, are struggling because they won't eat the right food. Now, if members are isolated, they cannot receive ministry. And if they can't receive ministry, then the gifts don't flow. <clears throat> now, let me show you what I'm saying here. If you are isolated from the body, and a lot of saints today are, are isolated all, all over the world. They're not in church. They're in front of the TV or the iPad or whatever. And, and, and even in that, they say they're getting the word, but they can't receive ministry, which means I'm going to have to go through a whole scenario here. But here's how this works. If the church is the body of Christ, we have to liken that to a human body. The human body is, concert, uh, is, is comprised of several things. It has uh, organs, it has nerves, it has muscles, has limbs, it has all kinds of things. Now, when a, a part of the body is not functioning, and we just mentioned that we use the little finger, if there's a part of the body that's not functioning, it means that that part of the body is not getting all of the things that the Bible says that are being supplied. It's not being supplied because what God has done is he has established his body in such a way that everything that's needed for the growth of the body is here. But but if. Doesn't flow and if the, if, the, if, the, if the gift doesn't flow, then that person who needs that gift won't receive ministry. And if that person does not receive ministry, they never grow up to give ministry. Amen. Amen. Well, the Bible teaches us is that the things that we receive, especially comfort, the things that we receive, we receive it so that we can give it out. Amen. 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 So what happens is there's a person who is, is, is separated from the body. The word of God is not flowing in that person so that they can be healed, delivered or set free. And because it's not working in them, then they don't get the benefit of somebody, some prayer warrior who could pray them through that situation, which means which means that.
that the person who prays for them gets blessed. The person who gets prayed for gets blessed. The person who gets healed as a result of the being prayed for now is able to not only pray for somebody else, but to give their testimony to help somebody else. So then the body then functions completely. But the Bible says you have to, nah, nah, nah. come on now, let's stay right here in Ephesians 4. I love this. In verse 15, I'm backing up now. I just read 16. Verse 15 says, it says that you grow up into uh, him who is the head. Now, this, Christ is the head of everybody, every church. But he has given local churches some autonomy to be a, a functional part of his body. Now, every church, every church should have an assignment. Now, you have a general, a general assignment. You know, it's like, uh, uh, ah, boy, I sure hate to use the Marine, but, you know, sometimes you got to use them. I declare you do. <laughs> they, 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 all Marines know their primary job is that of an infantryman. Oh, what does that mean to y'all? Their primary job is to fight. Hmm? The rest of us, you know, service folk. We just wait for them to come and fight. I say, what, are you going to war today? No, nah, Marines ain't got here yet. So we, <laughs> we had to wait till they show up. I say the battle's getting rough, but that's okay. They can handle it. <laughs> be, when they get, whenever they get here, it'll be okay. <laughs> now, seriously, in my last assignment in the Army, that we had Marines that, that guarded our facility, and I thought, boy, it sure was good to have them. <laughs> we didn't even have guns. Uh, because the only way we can fight the enemy is to look soldierly. <laughs> How did I get off? What was that? How do y'all do this every time? <laughs> and we're in <we're> warfare. <laughs> but here's what happens. If we don't grow up to the point that we can do what we're supposed to do, if we're not trained to do our primary job, uh, then, then what happens, I mean, excuse me, I shouldn't say to do our primary job because everybody's trained to do that. It's the things that we do as a result of what we're assigned to do. If our primary mission as a church is to make disciples, every church in the world should have that as its primary assignment. But it does have some secondary assignments. For example, we say here at Dayspring to give light. All right. So now if anybody comes here, they know that we're not going to get deep. Huh? We're going to wade in the water. That's right. And the reason is, is that we want you to get it. We're not trying to make you a Ph.D., we just want you to get your certificate from kindergarten. Huh? 
I want you to know your ABCs. Huh? I want you to know how do you do your, what is it, sight words? Because I need you to be able to form complete sentences. Jesus loves me, this I know. As I grow up, then I learn how to take those words, put them in sentences, and then I get paragraphs. And then eventually, you know, I understand what I'm reading or what I'm receiving. But my primary job is to get your ABCs and one, two, threes. Now, somebody say, well, Pastor, you can't stay there all the time. Yeah, I've been doing this 30 some years and there's still some folks going A, C, D, B. <laughs> huh? Every now and then I run across folks and I say, why did you do that? Well, Pastor, I thought you said. Yeah, I said, here we go. A, B, C. No, I'm serious. We have to do that. Now, if a church does not know what their assignment is, then what we'll be talking about is the end times and revelations. And, and we'll be talking all kinds of stuff which won't get you into heaven. But my assignment is to make sure that you are saved, sanctified, and Holy Ghost filled. That's my primary objective. My secondary objective is to train leaders for the next generation. Huh? That's a harder job. Hmm? That's why this is a teaching ministry, not a preaching ministry. All right? I need you to be the example. You can't bring light if you're in darkness. You have to be the example. Amen. Amen. Now, can I brag on y'all for a moment? I'm about out of time anyway. Look like a part three. <laughs> I was talking with someone the other day. They were asking me about church. Because, you know, uh, some folk, you know, suburban people do, different, do church differently than we do. And, uh, and they said, well, how's your church managing during the pandemic? And I said the same way it was before the pandemic. And he says, you mean you guys are still having church? I said, having church? Yeah, we, we never stopped having church. And they said, well, well, what about, you know, what about the offering? I said, what about it? I said, well, you know, I know she must, must have adversely affected you. I like that. <laughs> I, not my words there. I said, my church has full employment. I don't mean folks have jobs. I said, they have full employment. Their jobs have benefits. Uh, most of them own their own homes. They all drive new cars. Uh, 
So you know what comes next. Oh, you bragging now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't start it. You ask me? I'm telling you. <laughs> Amen. I could tell you some other things, but, you know, we're on live TV. Here we go. Okay. Where am I at? Okay, cool. <laughs> the clock's not working. I better tell y'all that. So <laughs> the, the clock that used to tell me how much time I have is not working. So uh, I have to ask questions so I can stay, you know, in my lane. <laughs> I don't know what my son's thinking. He ain't never stopped you before. <laughs> I told you I was trying to do better. <laughs> All right. Each part must contribute to the production of the whole. In proportion to the measure of each part, then the Bible says every member of the church should contribute something to the prosperity of the whole. Wow, I should have just gave that before I said that. Uh, <laughs> there should be unity in church, and it's made up of substances which differ. In other words, everybody in here has different gifts, different calling. But it says just as the body is made up of bones, nerves, and muscles, yet the body... In the body, they are, these are all united. They work together. They work together. And the Bible says that uh, in the church, if the nerves and the muscles should resist the action of one another, uh, be out of its place, then it impedes the health functions of the other. Now, anytime you find that if something is hurting and you don't use the thing that's hurting, it either starts to hurt worse, or when you do get around to using it, it won't work at all. Yeah. That's why doctors now, when you have surgery, they get you right on up out the bed. Most people don't like that. I need a minute, doc. You had to take it home. <laughs> you can't stay here. It's funny, we understand that, right? We understand that. But in church, when someone has spiritual surgery, they got to rest. Ah, I don't know when I'm going to be able to make it back. <laughs> Second Peter, I'm... I'm Uh, help us hold the spirit. Second Peter chapter three. Now everybody thinks I'm just going crazy, but it just hit me in the head. So, uh, 
Second Peter chapter three, verse nine says this. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. Now, the problem is, is that the next verse, the next verse messes all of us up. Here's what it says. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now, let me tell you why that's so important. Because so many people won't do what they're supposed to do because they're trying to figure out whether they should do it or not. People are, are, are pe folks right now all over the country are sitting home mad with somebody about something. Huh? S some folk are day spring folk that are somewhere mad with me somewhere, sitting home instead of being here. Uh, if you're mad with me, be mad or woman enough to come say, I'm mad with you. Now, hey, I'll do one or two things. Oh, don't look. Both of them are good. Both of them are good. I'll either repent or I will tell them you're wrong and you need to repent. That's it. But the point is, listen, nobody should be out of church or out of <laughs> out of the body. How about that? That's a good one. Nobody should be that way because we don't know the day. He says the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. You're going to be surprised. And it's a bad day to be mad with anybody. Yeah. That day comes, listen, can I just take a minute? That day comes for some of us when we die. Because mm -hmm. I, I preached a message yesterday, I said, you know, death is never a surprise to God. He ain't ever surprised. And there's no such thing as premature death in Christ. Mm-mm. No, he knows. But every person is surprised when they die. <laughs> Amen. And it's like I keep seeing on TV. I don't know why these people say this. Oh, it's so sad. My mama, my, my grandmama, they died alone. Everybody dies alone. Unless you're going to you know, get in the casket with them at the same time. No, everybody dies alone. So the thing that you do is you prepare them. That, that's what we do. We prepare them. And that, I'm off to another subject on it. We don't prepare people for the journey. And then when it comes, we said, well, somebody had told me. Well, I did tell you. And I'm telling you now. It's going to be like a thief in the night. Amen. Now, look, look at this one more verse. I'm going to go back to what I was saying. Look at verse eight, which comes before what I told you about long, long suffering. It says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing that with the Lord. One day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And my question to you as I go back to Ephesians, what day are you on? Mm hmm. 
Mm-hmm. All right, one more thing here before I, I, I give it up for the day. Uh, <clears throat> the Bible goes on to say this. It says that uh, every member in church should keep his place. Just as every bone, every nerve, and every muscle in the body should keep its place. Every member of the body should be in the right position. The human body uh, 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 does this, and every member of the body, uh, the heart, the lung, the tongue, should occupy their place in the body. If the parts don't function as designed, there is a deformity or a disorder. Let me say that one more time. If the parts don't function as designed, there is a deformity or a disorder. Now, a body is only healthy and efficient when every part thoroughly coordinates with the other. We're never going to be able to have the power to do what Christ has called us to do if we can't be one. You don't have to like the color of my clothes. You don't have to like the color of my skin. You don't have to like uh, uh, the height, the breadth, or whatever I look like. You don't have to like uh, how I talk or how I don't talk. But what you do have to like is that we have the same Christ in us. And see, the only thing that we have to agree on is that he, he died for both of us. Amen? Amen. So the Bible says that I have to grow up into the head. Now, the Bible says this, that when I do that and I do what I'm supposed to do, then it goes back to what he said in Colossians. He brings us back to a place of peace. Peace being that we are on one accord. We are in an agreement. Now, my obedience allows me to stay connected. My obedience allows me to stay connected. Hold on. You know, take that, really, take that for, for, for just a moment, a little more serious. My obedience allows me to stay connected, which means I'm going to stay with you no matter what. My obedience, I'm going to obey the Lord. If he says that we are one, we are one body, and, and if he says this in 1 Corinthians 12, that he set me there, and then if he says to me in Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 11 through 13, that I am a gift to the body, that's what he said. And that my gift is supposed to edify and, and cause the body to grow up. It says that 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 your part is to supply what's needed in this body to make it function. So all of us do what we're supposed to do, which means all of our efforts then are coordinated. And when I obey what he says right here, and it's not like I got to look it up and figure it out when he tells me what I'm supposed to do. And he says to do that then my obedience allows me to stay connected because now I don't have to look at your attitude. I don't have to look at how you're saying something. I don't have to look at, at, at the fact that, that you know, uh, you're, you're contrary or, 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 or you are conciliatory. It doesn't matter. It's the fact is that I know that God sent you here to do something, and I need to tell you that that's why I'm here. I'm here to be able to coordinate those efforts and say, I need you to do this, and I need you to do that. And when everybody says... Yes, sir. Amen. Jesus coming. <laughs> ah, <that's> just... 
And see, the reason that people don't make this, don't get this, is my last statement, is that if I'm cut off, then I can't reach the head. If I'm cut off, I can't reach the head. Do we understand that? If I'm separated for whatever reason, doesn't matter what the reason is, I can't reach the head. Which means I can't receive from my head. So the head of this local house can't give you what the head of the universal body has given him. Amen. Amen. Pastor, you don't understand. I don't have to understand. I really don't have to understand. I'd love to, but I don't have to. The reason I don't have to understand that is because I got a Bible that tells me that this is what the Lord says. So your reason for not doing whatever doesn't mean a thing to me. I'll listen to your explanation because I'm a nice guy. Really, yeah. Now, I've heard some things. I, Lord knows if I told you all some of the stuff people said to me, you'd be rolling in the floor laughing. I'll wait till I get home. <laughs> but you would be amazed. You would be amazed. Amen. All right. So let me close it by saying this. Uh, <clears throat> oh, I love this part. Spiritual unity is not something we manufacture. We already have it. And all we have to do is protect and maintain it. Amen. The unity of the body is what was given to us from Christ. And all we have to do is maintain it. We have to stay together. Amen. That's how Reverend Al Green said it. Let's stay together. Stand on your feet. We'll do part three next week. Now let's let's look at this uh, as folks say intellectually. How do we do that, uh, Pastor? Well, it works this way. Everything that Paul gave us here about what we need to do to maintain the body, the unity, and and how we grow together are not things are not things that are Holy Spirit inspired. These are things that he's given us to do. In other words, it's not something that I have to pray about because he's already said it. I don't have to fast for three days because he's already said it. I don't need the sky to crack because he's already said it. So when it comes to doing these things, the same thing that Paul says in, in Colossians, these are the same thing, that there are some things that we have to do. And these are things that are required of us. Maintaining the unit. That's us. Huh? Growing up. That's us. There's no spiritual uh, 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 source to make you grow up. You got to do some things on your own. Amen. We, talk, we started talking to you on Tuesday about marriage. And one of the things I can tell you about marriage, you can go to every counselor, you can read every book. Even if they had a marriage pill, I would tell you right now that the only thing that will make it work is work. 
right? But that's Tuesday. So today what I'm saying is, is this is part of what we do to maintain a cohesive body that functions as one. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these people who have heard your word and are obedient and subject to your word. God, I pray that you would release them in a spirit of obedience and maturity to do the things that you've called them to do. Bind us together in one body. Allow us to carry out the uh, purpose that you've given this body and allow us to join with other bodies who have like-minded assignments. And God, we thank you for it. Make us one, one in you and one with one another. And God, we'll continue to give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.